0: From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, low atomic numbers.
1: For the first time, it's a really effective treatment, and you get 50% of the market progression you face. That,
0: that's going to be quite significant. First this. You're enjoying, as seen from here, the landmark podcast from the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, launched way back in February of 2005. Why not enjoy some of the other ASCRS offerings, including the ASCRS Symposium in Congress, the meeting to end all meetings in ophthalmology, or the ASCRS Winter Update, where you can meet one-on-one with some of ophthalmology's most important leaders in a beautiful setting. Or see the future of ophthalmology at ISpace MD, the global ophthalmic classroom brought to you by the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. If you're a resident, check out openophthalmology.com, an extensive lecture series on clinical optics. And remember, residents and fellows can join the ascrs at no cost but please don't do any of these things until you've enjoyed this episode of as seen from here we have several ways of treating myopia including keratorefractive surgery phagic iols contact lenses and even that radical therapy spectacles but Certainly, it would be preferable to prevent myopia altogether. The ADAM1 study showed us that 1% atropine can be given to children to dramatically slow the progression of myopia. However, 1% atropine is associated with a number of side effects. The follow-on ADAM2 study begins with a question, if 1% atropine is effective, how about half a percent or even one hundredth of a percent atropine? I've been excited about the ADAMS study from its inception, and so I'm especially happy to have Donald Tan as my guest today. Prior to the first ADAMS study, what was known about atropine and myopic progression?
1: Well, prior to our first ADAMS study, there, was actually, there had been several uh, clinical trials on the use of atropine, but uh, for various reasons, the studies had some flaws uh, or some, maybe a lack of sample size, and therefore, uh, the definitive randomized control trial had not yet been performed. And the, uh, the clinical evidence was quite, uh, was quite intriguing, but we wanted to perform the, the ideal uh, randomized control trial to really determine whether atropine 1% can actually retard myopic progression.
0: Do all parasympatholytic dilating drops slow myopic progression?
1: Um, probably not. Um, there have been one or two other syncopedics being used but uh, nothing to the depth of atropine. So as far as we know, atropine is the only uh, medication which can have an effect on myopia. There is one other drug called parenzapine, which is an analog uh, 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 within the same class. And uh, that was tested in a couple of clinical trials, and we were involved in that as well. And it turns out that parenzapine can actually retard myopic progression, but probably is half as effective, but still has you know, a reasonably uh, significant side effects of atropine.
0: Can I get you to describe the first Adam study and its findings?
1: Yes. Essentially what happened was we randomized uh, 400 children uh, aged between 6 and 12 uh, to receive either uh, 1% atropine once a day in one eye in the treatment group or placebo eye drops in the placebo group. Now, for the patients which had The uh, atropine, it was given only in one eye, and the other eye also received placebo eye drops. So in fact, we had a situation where we had uh, uh, um, the treatment group, there was a placebo control, which was the other eye, and then we had a whole group of other patients in which both eyes had placebo. We followed these patients up for about three years, and then we observed uh, they were on atropine for two years, and then they were taken off, and then we followed and observed them for one further year. And then we checked their refraction, we checked the biometry, measured the axial length, uh, checked the pupil size, uh, checked uh, the side effects, if there are any. And uh, it was a randomized, double masked trial. So patients really did not know which eye had the drug.
0: What did the trial find?
1: Well, the trial found, confirmed that atropine 1% is extremely effective in retarding myopic progression. And during, in those eyes, which had two years of the atropine eye drops, the myopia uh, did, really did not progress very much at all. Um, in contrast, uh, the opposite eye of those patients who had the drug, which had, had, had placebo eye drops, and the control group of patients, which had just placebo eye drops in both groups, they continued to progress significantly of about one to two diopters after about two years. And the difference was quite clinically significant. We also were able to determine with the axial length measurements that that also correlated very well. So the treatment eyes with atropine, the axial length did not grow, did not increase appreciably, while the other eyes, the placebo eyes, continued to increase in axial length.
0: If accommodation is not the mechanism of action, how does atropine slow myopic progression?
1: Well, we don't really know. We don't quite understand what the actual uh, pathophysiological mechanism is. We know for certain that uh, if you paralyze accommodation, then you can still have an effect. So it's not accommodation. What we have done in our our laboratories at the Singapore Eye Research Institute is to look into the effect of atropine on scleral fibroblasts. And it turns out that atropine can actually affect scleral fibroblast growth. Now, if you think about myopia, as essentially axial elongation, where the sclera elongates, then the fact that atropine can have an effect on sterile growth then is a reasonable effective mechanism. But how the signal from atropine to the sterile fibroblast uh, is carried out and what actually happens in that process is quite unknown at this point of time.
0: In the first ADAMS study, cessation of atropine resulted in greatly accelerated myopic progression. Did the patients catch up with their untreated peers in degree of myopia?
1: Yes. So what actually happened was when we stopped the atropine uh, in the next year, what actually happened was that there was a slight catch-up. That means there was a slight rebound. So those eyes, which did not have atropine for two years, they, began, they, they the rate of progression actually increased. However, that increase was not enough to reach the original uh, amount of myopia compared to the placebo group. So there was a bit of a rebound, but the myopia was still much lower in those eyes at three years uh, as compared to the control groups.
0: What is the ADAM2 study, and what question did it seek to answer?
1: Well, the problem with ADAM1 was that it was 1% atropine, And that has significant side effects, so the pupil will stay dilated. Uh, We're worried about uh, uh, too much sunlight going into the lens. Uh, We're also concerned about the lack of accommodation because these eyes are atroconized. And so actually we prescribed uh, photochromatic glasses for the children as well as progressive spectacles, although, of course, this is only in one eye. For ATOM 2, we wanted to have a dosing study and go to much lower concentrations of atropine with the hypothesis that we may have a reasonable therapeutic index. In other words, we're able to have a low concentration of myopia of atropine, which did not cause significant pupil dilatation and loss of accommodation, and yet had a clinical effect. And therefore, this study had three arms. Again, it was 400 children. Uh, They were randomized to receive three doses of atropine, uh, 0.1%. 0.01% 0.01% and 0.5%. Now, the again, there were 400 children. We followed them up for two years and uh, watched after that for another year. And in fact, the next phase is coming on. So that those children, we every, every child had atropine for two years. And this was in both eyes. It was a bilateral eye study. After two years, we washed out the patients. So everybody stopped. And then after six months, those which began to progress again, they will put on atropine again. And we're at that stage of the study. So the first phase is over. It turns out that the absolute lowest dose, which is 0.01%, is the best. And it's the best because it seems to have ex- almost no difference in efficacy between the other two doses. So in effectiveness, we found that it marked microprogression progression by 50% in, in all the children, and yet, there was almost no effect on pupil dilatation, almost no effect on accommodation. And so, the children did not need to use photochromatic glasses. Um, the concentration was so low, in fact, that none of the children developed any signs of allergy. You know, when, when any drug like atropine or anything else, there'll be a 1% of the children would develop an allergic reaction to the drug. And this happened in the other two high concentrations. It did not happen at all in our lowest concentration. So what and who told us was that the 0.01%, the ultra-low dose, can have a 50% effect on retarding my progression, which we thought was still very significant, and yet had no side effects.
0: When you constructed this study, you you had in fact planned the 0.1% to be a sort of a control group, as a sort of a very very low treatment group that you didn't think um, would be showing any any benefits from the the, the therapy.
1: Yes. I mean, uh, this was uh, one thousandth of the concentration of atropine, one percent, which is the traditional dosage. And when we decided, designed the study, we felt we would we could not no longer have a placebo um, because uh, we wouldn't recruit anybody because uh, nobody everybody would be new atropine worked, and so it'd be difficult to get patients to have uh, uh, just get a placebo arm of treatment. So we placed 0.01 percent as a sort of pseudo placebo, where we really didn't seem to have an effect. We thought it would not occur. And in fact, that was the best percentage concentration.
0: Did you have some concern that the larger pupil might put the child at risk for phototoxicity or for UV exposure-related complications?
1: Yes. So, in fact, uh, there have been some concurrent studies which we published. As for atom 1, what we also did was we did electrophysiology, so all the children who had the atropine had electrophysiology, we want to determine whether there's any effect on the macula, on the retina, and that would be a surrogate for, say, retinal damage, which means that the, uh, pupil, the dilated pupil allowed a UV light through. It turns out we was, there was no change in the electrophysiology readings for those eyes which had a fully dilated 1% atropine pupil. So uh, we're also repeating those uh, electrophysiology studies for our current study, ATOM2, but at this point of time, we don't seem to have any effect on the retina. And of course, with our 0.01%, the pupil is minimally dilated. Almost no difference at all.
0: On that same theme, were there any adverse events that were observed?
1: I mean, there were one or two, uh, you know, they were, strictly speaking, adverse events. A child had a, had a fever or anything like that, but they were considered adverse events unrelated to the medication. So essentially, there were no adverse effects due to the atropine uh,
0: 0.01%. Donald, do you employ this therapy in your own clinical practice now?
1: Well, prior to ATOM 2, we would judiciously use 1% atropine unilaterally in those children who are exhibiting extremely high progression of myopia. So, for example, a 6-year-old child who's already minus 6 doctors is increased by 100 degrees over the last six months. We would put that child on 1% atropine in one eye for about three months, and we'd swap it to the left eye. And this is the general practice of our pediatric ophthalmologist. It wasn't ideal because it did affect pupils. It did affect uh, uh, reading ability. But now, uh, in theory, we can now put the 0.01% instead. Um, At this point of time, 0.01% is not clinically available, but we are sourcing that, and we should be able to get... 0.01% 0.01% made for us, in which case that we would be using this. In fact, in, in, our, in our center, the Singapore National Eye Center, um, being anticipated based on a, of the demand, we set up a myoclinic to cater just for that. And we have clinical pathways for ophthalmologists to use 0.01 atropine according to the age of the child and the degree of myopia.
0: Do you feel that you have enough evidence at, at this point, now we're, we're you know into the ADAM2 data, to, to recommend this as a therapy outside of
1: studies? At this point, I feel we do. What will probably happen is that we are going to start offering this 0.01% to a wide range of patients. Um, we feel actually for the high progressors, we may even use the 0.1% uh, initially at first to have a, a quicker effect. But essentially, uh, we are very comfortable having you know, several years now and several hundred children, almost 800 children in these trials, that uh, 0.01% is ready for clinical use, and we will be treating these patients in a uh, more like an audit fashion. So they will no longer be in a clinical trial, but of course we are going to provide the treatment in a well-regulated manner, And we'll observe the results uh, almost like a sort of phase three or phase four post-marketing type of study. That will give us more data as we go along.
0: So then what are your clinical indications for
1: treatment? Well, I think we would like to examine and identify those children who are at risk of micro progression. So the actual degree of myopia when a child presents. Now that will depend on the demographics of the population where you are at. In Singapore, where most of us are Asians and most of them, uh, 75% are the Chinese population, we have very good data to show uh, which child will end up highly myopic. Together with our previous studies on parental effect of myopia, you know, if a child who is 6 years old and he's got minus 1 diopter, both parents are myopic and uh, we call them back 6 months later and they're 1.5 diopters, that's the sort of child which would start we would start on 0.01%. And we have a whole algorithm, if you will, on where, and how to approach this uh, this myopic treatment program. We're very excited here. Now the good thing, of course, is atropine is, it, it, you know, it, it's an old drug, it's, it's unregulated, it's not a new drug. And now that we've really found the right dosage, which means there's no side effects or almost none, mm-hmm then this, for the first time, it's a really effective treatment. So the fact that we can treat patients, don't worry about the side effects, and you get 50% of the marker progression effect, That that's going to be quite significant.
0: Donald Tan, thank you so much. Not at all. Donald Tan is director of the Singapore National Eye Center and professor of ophthalmology at the National University of Singapore. He's also chairman of the Singapore Eye Research Institute in Singapore. His paper... Atropine for the Treatment of Childhood Myopia, Safety and Efficacy of 0.5%, 0.1% and 0.01% Doses Atropine for the Treatment of Myopia 2 appears in the February 2012 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Tan or any of our previous guests or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at jyoungmd at gmail.com. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.